Well, hello. If you don't know me, my name is Brendan. I've been coming here for a couple months now, something like that. But, and if you can't tell from my accent, I'm from America. Um, so, uh, when I was thinking about what I wanted to share with you guys tonight, um, as an American, uh, I really have been struggling with my own nation at this moment because we are so divided. And it really, it's really hard to not choose a side. And I often just choose a side and then passionately fight for that side in my brain um, or on um, threads online, which is really productive. Um, and so, yeah. So, yeah. And so, but I know, as I will share with you a little bit about my life, but I've learned from my life that God values unity and he values everyone walking together. And so, but I feel like that's been a big challenge for me. And then it's honestly, it's been a big challenge for me recently in my own thoughts. Um, I come from a background um, theologically that is very, this is right, this is the way that it is. Everything else is wrong. So it's either you are in, there's a hard line with Christianity. And if you cross that line, you are out. You are not a Christian, you are a heretic, and that's not okay. Um, but the more I studied the Bible, and the more I studied history, and the more I read other people's points of view, I realized actually this line is really big, and the word Christian is actually a very inclusive word, and includes a lot of different people's thinking and whatever, and that actually made my brain implode because then I just didn't know what to think anymore. I remember I watched this um, documentary, and at one point, oh gosh, I'm not going to say his name because I'm going to get it wrong, but um, he was someone sort of famous in Christian world, and he basically said, um, everything that we perceive in life, we perceive through our own subjective filters. And so he's like, since all of us are just perceiving life through our subjective filters, we can never, he basically just went on and on about how everything is subjective. We look at the Bible subjectively. They wrote the Bible from their subjective filter of their culture and their personal life or whatever. And so then I remember afterwards, there's a Q&A with the director and I was like, okay, so if everything is subjective and it's just subjective filters, how can we ever know objective truth? And the guy was like, I don't know. And I was like, what? <laughs> but I remember ever since that day, I feel like my brain broke. And it's in like a constant state of like existential crisis after crisis. But um, yeah, so that's something I just need to deal with. But um, it kind of sent me on this quest to try and understand what does unity and diversity look like? And is it possible to have a group of people that don't agree theologically walk together in Christianity. Um, spoiler alert, I don't have an answer at all. So, <laughs> so if you were like ex getting excited for that, that's not gonna happen. Um, okay, but, so in my studying of the Bible and church history, I learned that um, the idea of disunity within the church is not new. It's actually there right from the beginning. So this is a very photo accurate portrait of um, James and Paul. 
So I actually, I think this is supposed to be James and that's supposed to be Paul. The only reason I say that is because James's cross is like nicer looking and Paul's is a little more like, I don't know, <laughs> not as nice looking. <laughs> and so like Paul is more of like a, like go out and be a man of the people and James is more like, let's play by the rules everybody. But, um, so they had a pretty major rivalry in the New Testament. Does anyone know about this rivalry slash what did they kind of butt heads about? Um, they butted heads about the idea of how should we, um, Paul, everyone knows Paul. Paul like basically started Christianity as we know it today. Well, I mean, not really as we know it, but he moved into that direction. But Paul was all about, let's include um, Gentiles into our church. And let's find a way forward to do that. Paul's gospel was very much, um, grace is free. God's grace is sufficient for you. His power is made perfect in your weakness. Um, um, if you read the book of Galatians, the whole book is about um, that Gentiles do not have to go under the law of Moses. They are free from that law um, and are just bound to a law of love. Where James was like, no, 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 no. Um, the, the, these Gentile converts, they need to be circumcised and they need to come under the law. Um, so there, right there is a huge theological issue right from the start that really divided this church. So much so that um, followers of people like James um, would go around to Paul's churches and tell all of them that Paul was a heretic and that they needed to repent and be circumcised or else they could not be a part of the Christian church. So disunity has always been a part of the Christian church. Um, even And going on from there, people literally, um, during the Council of Nicaea when they decided um, basically, they had a choice of what do we do with this Godhead thing because God is Jesus, but he's also the Father and maybe he's the Holy Spirit too. Are we pagans now? Is this like a pan, like not a pantheism, but you know what I mean, like a polytheism or is it one God? People literally killed each other over this issue. I mean, there was never like a, a huge war, but it got very intense. Um, yeah, let me list off to you some theological issues that people have either raged about publicly and venomously or have also just killed each other over. So Trinitarian doctrine is one, icons used in worship. So having statues and stuff like that in the church. If you notice in Protestant churches, you don't see a lot of that. In Catholic and Orthodox churches, you will still see that. That's because there was a huge division about that issue. Um, baptism. When should you baptize someone? People have literally died over that. Um, there was a group called Anabaptists who were part of the Catholic Church, and they, wanted, they were baptized at birth, but they wanted to be baptized again when it actually meant something to them. And the Catholic Church actually killed them because of that, which is crazy. Um, so yeah, and the list goes on. We have disagreed about a lot of things is the point I'm getting to. And it has been bad. Like it has been, it has gotten really ugly. Um, so yes, 
Um, or as I wrote here, as Christians, we have a long, rich history of royally missing the point. <laughs> so, um, we love to make Christianity about everything except the very thing it was supposed to be about, which is, it's supposed to be about love. So I'm going to quickly read to you John 13:35. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So this is Jesus, the night he's about to be killed. He gives this really long speech to his disciples. And so this, but this is probably the thesis of the speech is I'm giving you a new command and this is the command. If you love me, you will obey my command and this is my command. Love one another. So that's kind of the point of his speech. Um, okay. So I'm going to take you back in time to when I was younger and far less cynical. Um, so I was 18 years old. So if you can switch to this slide. This is me right there. Um, so yes, um, this is me. I was, I'm on a trip with my youth group. Um, I'm a pretty, I grew up in the church, but I didn't really like take Christianity super seriously. I was always very religious. Like I liked rules. I thought rules were awesome because I was like, yes, give me like a list of things I do. And so then I know I'm doing the right thing. Like I was always that kid who I'd go up to a teacher and be like, am I doing this right? Like, are these instructions accurate? Like, that's me, like, when I was a child. And so I loved the idea of, like, oh, yeah, just don't do these things, and I'm going to go to heaven, and I'll be good. But this was maybe less than a year ago. I started coming to the realization that that's not what Christianity was about at all. Um, and so this was, and I was always kind of a um, socially awkward child. I didn't really connect with people super well. Um, and so this trip, um, for me, was my first experience with a group of Christians, and I really connected with other people really well. Um, so I experienced something I never really experienced before in my life, which was a completely loving community that was willing to put aside all their differences and just be together and just love one another in like a real and tangible way. And to this day, this trip is probably one of the most transformative experiences in my life. And ever since then, I've been super passionate about community and unity because I feel like I experienced like a piece of what God actually wants for us as humans and then move forward from there. So yeah. Um, so yeah, I became obsessed with community. I believed it was the answer to everything I was looking for. Um, and I sought to create it wherever I went in hopes to recapture what I had found. Um, and I was actually often successful. I would kind of take that to new places and build a new community. Um, and it was really good and really productive. Um, and then during that time, I came up with a model which I want to say I created, but it's probably not true because God, it's, if it's how it actually works, God created it and he probably told other people. But it's funny because I've actually seen this model in like books that I've read and I've been like, wait, <laughs> I made this. But they probably made it and I forgot that I read it. And then just took credit, so. Um, so yeah, so I started having this idea 
that um, if God is more than one person, then he is a community of different people that is walking together in total unity. And so when, am I going to say this verse later? Um, so when Jesus talked about um, the night he was getting killed, he gave a really long prayer um, for us. And one of the things he said is, may they be one as we are one. And that always really stood out to me because I asked the question, how on earth can we be one like God is one? That didn't make any sense to me. Because to me, how the Trinity had always been explained was that it's like water in the three forms. And so to me, I was like, that doesn't seem, that doesn't make sense. But then I kind of adjusted my Trinitarian theology a bit and tried to understand it more as like a marriage relationship where it's like three individual people choosing to be one unit. Um, but yeah. And so then I kind of got this idea that this God wants us to be one in the community, not the same person, but just unified together and then walking in submission to God and so on and so forth. Um, so yeah, basically in short, to me, total trust in God looked like total unity in the body of Christ. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, but as I got older and became a bit more cynical, <laughs> something began to creep, and some of my attempts at creating community failed big time. I, something crept into my heart called self-preservation. So I put myself out there, I tried to build community, and for the first time, I failed and got hurt, and I was left disillusioned, and decided, I, and I decided in myself, I don't really need other people to have a successful life or to have a successful Christianity. I was, I was thinking at the time, I'm like, oh, look at all these Old Testament prophets, they were by themselves. Like, I don't need other people, I can just do this by myself. Um, so when my focus left creating community and was more on self-preservation, something interesting happened inside of me. I began valuing my principles over other people. And I stopped listening to new points of view. Um, I stopped growing spiritually. And I started doubting everything about myself and everything about God. Um, it's only when I would take steps towards vulnerability with others and allow myself to be a part of a community um, that I felt my strength returning and I felt my faith returning. And I felt the energy to grow and explore God in a bigger way. Um, I think there was a slide. You can probably go to the slide. This is me in isolation. Yeah, that's the point of the slide. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so this brings me to my point. Um, we live in a time where it's easy, encouraged, and honestly kind of um, sexy to encourage principle over people, um, not only in secular culture, but within Christianity as well. And I think it's true on every side of the equation. Um, 
Yeah, and I love doing this. Um, I've been going to, you guys know Relevant Magazine? Um, I, they, they always post these articles. And, um, oh, can you go to the next picture? Oh, just go to the next one. They, okay, everyone know who this is? Rob Bell. I love Rob Bell. But Rob Bell, for most conservative Christians, Rob Bell is considered a heretic because he has um, very, it doesn't, a lot of his uh, views on things don't fall into typical evangelical whatever. Um, so he's considered a heretic. And so I go, every time they post an article on Relevant, um, there's like a million people that are like, Rob Bell's a heretic. And it's like, I, I go on there and I like just like get angry and I just voice my opinion, which is always really productive. <laughs> it's never productive. Um, but yeah. And so in that, I kind of took a step back and thought like, what am I doing? Like, what is the point of this? Um, and then it's, it's really easy for me to even get involved in discussions like this and just get really discouraged because to me, I think he brings something really cool to the table of modern day Christianity. And I think ultimately it's frustrating to me that a lot of people don't see that and they just want to dismiss him. But then I do the same thing with someone like John Piper. I'm sorry if you guys like John Piper, but I just don't, I just don't like him and so I automatically dismiss everything he has to say. Where I think that's wrong and that's not good. And he actually said something really cool um, where he said that all truth is God's truth. You can't say this is God's truth and this is other truth. He's like, if God is truth, then all truth is God's truth. And so he's, he basically says, um, wherever we find truth, we will find God. And I agree with that. But um, yes. So long story short, um, it's just, it's hard to see a way forward when we're all so angry and we all have our principles and we all want to preserve ourselves and our own points of view. And we don't, our goal isn't unity, our goal is victory. Um, and so I don't have an answer, but my question for all of you guys is, what does it look like to surrender the victory and to walk in unity. So yeah. That's all.